From Washington, this is the Macrocast, a podcast brought to you by Penta and Markets Policy Partners. Good morning. It's Friday, November 4th. It's Jobs Day on the Macrocast, brought to you by Markets Policy Partners and Penta Group uh, from the Penta Group of Podcasts. Uh, Tony Fratto, I'm in New York. Uh, we have uh, Brendan Walsh with us today. Brendan, where are you? DC. In the DC area. And Bri Odian, SNA, is uh, frequently with us, either on FOMC days or GDP days or uh, uh, big jobs days. Bri, uh, with his, his firm, SW4 Insights. Thanks for being with us today, Bri. Uh, John and, uh, you know, John Fagan and Matt McDonald are both traveling this uh this week so they're not with us today so the three of us will hold the fort down on a job day that could have been a you know uh an eventful jobs day but in the in the end you know i was reading through the report guys and uh i'll get the numbers in a second here but i was reading through the report and i think like the the words that showed up the most to me were little changed or changed little uh is frequently in the in the report so like here's the here's the, the tale of the tape is uh you know payrolls for uh october up 261,000 if you're looking for um you know any direction or clues for revisions i think we had august down september up for net revisions of only uh plus 20 29,000 jobs so nothing particularly hot there the unemployment rate uh, went from uh, uh, 3.5%. Expectations were that it would stay at 3.5%. It actually increased to 3.7%. So if you're looking for some, uh, you know some kind of signal to balance the you know still strong jobs numbers and the still strong wage growth, which uh, average hourly earnings were up 0.4%, uh, 4.7% year in year. Um, you know, a slight increase in the uh, unemployment rate is directionally uh, directionally correct. But I would just say that, you know, and also, uh, you know, labor force participation rate, you know, little change at 62.2%. Employment population ratio, 60%. Little changed. Long-term unemployment so that stayed the same at 1.2 million. There was, a, was it, you know, not big changes in this report. And from my perspective, I'd love to hear, you know, you guys think about it. First of all, if you're market a market participant, you're um, you know you the, the you know it, it doesn't look like big changes right now. And so, if you thought that the Fed was going to get up to you know progress up to you know maybe four point seven five to five percent top out there over the next four months and stay there for some length of time, I don't see how your outlook changes on that. And so I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't know, Brian. What do you think? Do you think the Fed's outlook will change from this jobs report? Um, no, I, I don't. But I think my my reasoning is that this 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 obviously this was a snapshot about a month that is, is just gone. And I I do think if you look at if you focus, if you focus less on what how many jobs were were added and you look at the news today about like planned layoffs or looming yeah. layoffs, right? I do think in the tech sector you are seeing more and more announcements about. You know, um, cuts to, to 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 workforces and whatnot. I I think the Fed not, not least not least at Twitter <laughs> exactly the the dramatically um, the, this morning for lots of people. the news for a lot of reasons um this week. Yeah. Um, I think if I if I were the Fed, I would not view this report as good or bad. I would actually ignore this report and focus on November onwards because I think that's when we might start to see what's really 
going to be the labor market conditions going forward based on, and also as we both all know, monetary policy, monetary policy hits with a lag. I still think we've not really felt, besides housing, which has really felt the brunt of higher rates right away. I feel like other sectors, it's still, it's still building up momentum and they've not really felt the full brunt of what the Fed has done so far. So I don't know if any of the reports we've seen, including last month's job report, are truly reflective of the Fed's monetary policy so far. So I think November's report onwards would be where we really see the Fed taking notes. Yeah, I totally agree. And the one thing I would take from this, which totally agrees with Fry's view, is the, the household survey, which is the one that the unemployment rate comes from, it's very noisy. So you don't want to make too much out of one data point. But that the, the unemployment rate does lead. It's the leading indicator. When it starts to go up, that's a sign that that, that unemployment is is going up and that the labor market is weakening. So we'll see. Part of it was, um, you know, the, the that survey showed both jobs went down, the unemployment went up, but also the um, the labor force participation went down a little bit. So it's noisy, but there is, um, you know, cause for, con- well, I guess it's not concern on the Fed's part. This is what they're trying to uh, do. So it, it maybe uh, cause for it is, uh, yeah, but congratulations it's just- on their part. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's a small it's a I mean, it's a small and nuanced signal, um, you know, cause that, that rate could bounce around a little bit. And so whether it's sustained or not, we don't know. You know, we do know that we've got other you know, we saw other data recently, too. Right. So job openings, we know, are still, you know, sustained you know, uncomfortably high, I think, for, uh, you know, for the Fed. So that's not to say to, to me, it's not that it's not that. Um, look, I mean, I, I think if somebody was looking for clues Again, for you know, clues that would would uh, that people could start using the p word, the pivot word, then you know you, you're not going to find that in here either. And so that's why I'm not saying that it's these are good numbers, right? Right, that could get us closer to a pivot. I'm just saying that if whatever you whatever you thought at eight at eight twenty five this morning, whatever you mm-hmm. thought that like generally the future was you know probably going to be, it's at eight at eight thirty five, your your view probably shouldn't have been changed, right? If you watched the totally press conference, like he told you where the way he sees the future and what their path is, and you should believe him. Like they're staying on that path, and nothing nothing in this report would have changed, which should change that. Yeah. yeah. Going back to what you were saying about the the five percent, what, what Powell did say on Wednesday was that we think we're going to get higher than five percent, and the market uh, before his press conference had. Price in about the a terminal rate of five percent. Uh, uh, after it, it, it only went up fifteen basis points. So now the market's pricing in. Uh, you know the Fed's going to get up to five point one four percent, but the the market is also pricing in that by mid twenty twenty three they're going to be cutting rates, and that and he vehemently you know pushed back against that on Wednesday. Yeah, no, I I, I think the one actually it's, it's actually. The timing of like the, the Bank of England also going this week yeah. was great because it gave it a chance to contrast two economies in vastly different positions, right? On one hand, you have the US economy, which is showing some resiliency, which is giving the Fed more room to do these aggressive rate hikes to tackle inflation. While on the other hand, you have the UK economy, which is not in a great spot. So the Bank of England cannot be as aggressive as it wants to be because it doesn't want to like completely derail um, UK growth. Um, but I think also another thing like I think markets need to factor in is that qualitatively speaking, if you're an employer, you just went through COVID where you, you cut a lot of your workforce. You entered 2021 trying to hire people back. 
and you had and you struggled to get people back. You had to, you had to offer more money, more benefits, you know, more flexibility. You had to do everything you could to just get bodies onto your onto your payrolls. A lot of employers are now gun shy about cutting their workforce again. They don't want to go through having to like yeah. you know, rapidly rapidly scale up post you know post mini recession and the workers they laid off are gone or don't want to come back. So I think there's there's a resistance among employers, some employers to cut their payrolls because they don't want to lose um, valuable employees that it, they, they can't get back at the, at the other end of whatever rate hike rate high cycle. Yeah. And you're seeing that with the big companies where Amazon and Apple aren't cutting jobs, but they're, they're not uh, hiring anymore. It's not going down. It's not going up. It's just so like just, you know, staying in place, so to speak. Yeah, it's the smaller companies, especially the smaller tech companies that are actually shedding some jobs. Well, the ones that like, you know, gorged on on low rates in 2020. Exactly, and yeah. Lost than they should have and are now like retrenching back to normal. Yep. Was there anything else out of the uh, out of the power presser? Um, and, and the, you know, you know, people focused on the um, language of the release and then, uh, in a, you know, Powell put a, uh, he put a pretty, Firm foot down on you know on uh, on it as we as we've said. But was there anything else surprising out of that that uh, that 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 caught your eye? I mean, for me, I think as someone who started covering the Fed in, in the Bernanke years and how he and Yellen would very much try and stay out of anything that seemed to be outside of their their purview. Obviously, we've seen in recent weeks the the pressure piled in under from mostly Democratic lawmakers about what he's doing and the potential impact that might have on the economy and jobs, et cetera. And I think there was a there was strong messaging throughout his comments, basically saying, if we don't fight inflation, that will eventually hurt the labor market too. Like we're yeah. not ignoring our, like we're not just focused on one mandate at the expense of the other. We, we care about both, but if we don't fix this one, it will eventually hurt the other one too. So I think there was some indirect messaging to Congress there saying, yes, I still care about jobs, but if I don't fix inflation, Jobs eventually get hurt all the same. He had the, he had some of the same message, right, with respect to I think Kayla Tausche asked him about you know the impact of uh, rate rising and the strong dollar and how that impact on other countries also. Yeah. You know, that so was a great question. It was a really great question, and his you know and his answer, which it, it, look this is obviously true, but you know getting getting inflation under control in the United States and having a strong you know, getting back to a strong and growing U.S. economy is good for the world also. You know, like the world relies on this big economy uh to be you know to be healthy and growing in a in a non-inflationary environment and you know he's right but but um but that's going to be some pain for him for you know for these countries to come still yeah and that's why i don't think that they're going to make it as high as they think uh on the terminal rate today i, I don't think that the treasury market nor the fx market is going to allow them to and I also think that inflation actually has, I think inflation peaked three months ago and it, it and it's going to come off pretty hard. So they're not going to have to do it. But I don't think that the financial system can uh, sustain, you know, five and a half, six percent uh, Fed funds. Um, so but, and if uh, it, I don't I, I don't know what you were predicting, but 50 basis points at the next meeting. Yeah, so I, I think we go 50 yeah. in December and then we probably get two more 25s. And that's about a, a, as much as. We'll be able to handle. Yeah. So I think, we, yeah. Well, I, 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 I also find it, I found it interesting that he sort of like echoed similar comments that the ECB had made last week about assessing the cumulative impact of yeah. policy, like monetary policy actions to like to date, whatever that date is. Because again, I think they are recognizing that okay, some of the things we're doing 
won't hit right away. So we should also give it time to just make sure that whatever we've done so far, what effect is that happening? So we're not overcorrecting, right? And we're sort of like, you know, like giving just the right amount of medicine, but not too much medicine to the economy. Yeah. I, I, the market is going to react, you know, in, in the short term, pretty volatile. And and for the first couple of days, they focus on Powell's presser. But I, I'm much more focused on the the, the language and the statement. It, they clearly are concerned that they're over tightening and they don't want to have to stay on this 75 uh, pace. That's why they did that. But then Powell had to come out and in the presser counteract and say, you know, we're still dedicated to inflation. But, you know, they can slow the pace in December to 50. That's only a month away. The terminal rate being much higher than expected is six months, a year away. So I'd rather take the bird in the hand, you know, and my son is going to tell me he's going to run around the block today. But he also is going to run a, a marathon in a month. I have much more faith that he can make it around the block today than run the marathon. Hey, uh, so uh, Brendan, markets are, um, you know, they're, uh, they, you know, futures are up. Um, or actually, I guess we're opening up right now. Uh, well over 300 points in the Dow. And uh, we'll see, you know, we'll see where things go today. NASDAQ up big also. My view on that was that, you know, market participants can deal with pretty much anything. Like there, like there are some consequences for the, you know, the level of rates. So you have to, you know, you have to reprice a lot of things if rates are going up. But if you basically look at this report and you say, and you're a, you're a, you're an investor, you're a trader, and um, and now you can feel pretty confident that you know you think the Fed's going to go 50, 25, 25, and settle somewhere there around five for some and hold for some foreseeable future. You could trade that market, right? So yeah. you just. Right. I mean, you can go and find ways to make money. It's when things are changing with uncertainty that makes uh, makes investing really hard. But they'll, these guys will find ways to invest and and make money um, uh, if they have a little bit of a, a certainty. And I think that's kind of the signal that you're getting today from uh, from Mark. At least open. Yeah. yeah. They 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 gave a, a much more hawkish long term, but the, the path that they told you is you know. We, we, we want to slow down the pace. We, we, we don't want to over tighten. And we're also going to be very much data dependent. So if you have a view of what the data is going to be, you certainly can can trade that. Can you imagine a, uh, a you know, any data over the next uh, month that could change, uh, you know, knock them off this course? We're, you know, it's, it won't be jobs. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing that we still have a very strong labor market, but it's slowing. You know, and uh, both the 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 rate of uh, growth on the uh, the amount of jobs we create every month, but also wages. You know, we're we're down, we're below you know a five percent rate on uh, wage growth. So it's not the, the the scary numbers that we used to see. But if we the, see CPI and, and PPI, so th- those are the concerning ones. The, the CPI because of the kind of quirky way that it's you know created with the the shelter component. So shelter could remain could counteract a lot of the deflationary forces that we're seeing in uh, the good space and in even some of the services space, uh, especially in, in uh, the medical uh, components of um, CPI and PC. So that's, I guess, the concern is that because they've kind of hooked their um, wagon to CPI, the CPI numbers could stay a little higher than um, what's really happening on the ground and cause them to remain a little more hawkish than they probably should. Is it possible, guys, that this is basically what soft landing looks like? 
right? Like there's a, a good chance that they actually could do it. And I think that this jobs number shows you that, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you this is like the Larry Summers, Jason Furman, and others uh, who, you know, I I think well of their uh the way they they uh, what they think, right? But that that you need to shock uh to some degree of sustained elevated unemployment above where it is right now um to get inflation down and and maybe they're right but maybe what soft landing looks like is that it just happens a little bit more gradual than um than that without the you know without the shock and uh, i mean if there is such a thing as a shock, as a soft landing i can't imagine it looks like anything different than this right it has to look yeah. like it, mark zandy uh put out research yesterday uh, his research shows you know almost two-thirds of the increase in inflation is entirely supply uh constraint related um yeah. you know due to covid and things like that um and 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 those are loosening when we look at all of the ism surveys in the united states and globally the, the prices paid component is, has fallen off a cliff and, and that is a perfect leading indicator to you know uh CPI and PC in the future. So if you're looking at the forward-looking indicators of, of inflation, inflation is about to, to, to massively decelerate, um, especially if you take away the way that we compute the, the housing component, because we also have real-time data that, you know, housing, both rent and, and housing prices are, are falling. Yeah, I, I think it could also be argued that some of the things that I guess fed into the inflationary environment we're seeing now in terms of, you know, the various stimulus packages that came up to like cushion the economy from the, from the pandemic, you know, low rates at that time that allow people to both, you know, you know, build up their stock portfolio, buy homes, you know, build up their, their savings from, I remember like there was a time when the savings rate was atrocious. And then during the two years of like, of the, of like the pandemic and lockdown savings rates like almost doubled. I think that's allowing a lot of consumers to survive the higher environment we're in now. Yeah. Because you're already in your dream homes. So you're not worried about high rates because you already have your house. Or, you know, you have a low mortgage, mortgage rate. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You have a low mortgage, you have low monthly mortgage payments. So you're not worried about that. Or you have a lot of savings to, you know, help you, you know, navigate this a little bit. So I think that's why we're not seeing the consumer react as strongly in terms of, um, of like retail sales or consumer spending, et cetera. That's not created to the extent one might have expected. Um, otherwise, I think that was also probably contributing to a potential soft landing as well. Right. You mentioned um, uh, Bank of England, uh, the you know 75 basis point increase. We've also you know seen um, you know both hawkish action and hawkish language out of uh, ECB um, even earlier earlier this morning and and in recent days. I mean, do you think? What do you? Where do you see them going? Uh, like, are they going to, you know, try to catch up to get closer to where, um, to to where the U.S. is right now? I, I don't think so. I, I I touched on it earlier. I just think, as part of like the the rate hike, they also released forecast explicitly expecting the U.K. economy to be in a recession next year, potentially into twenty twenty four, and I just don't see them in that scenario going as aggressive as the Fed is. I think they will they will they're gonna front load their rate hikes and then and then taper it and then sort of like assess um how the, the economy reacts to it. I think also the big the big X factor is the November budget, which I think is coming if not next week in a couple of weeks, which will be like the 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 package of tax hikes and spending cuts 
that um, Jeremy Hunt and Rishi Sunak will have come up together to sort of like reassure markets and fill the massive hole in the in the in the treasuries in the treasuries coffers. I think that will also be um, a big X factor that the Bank of England will need to assess and see that what impact that will have on economic growth um, going forward. Wait, wait a second. What happened to Liz Truss? She's not. <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're maybe another prime minister by uh, by then. So. <laughs> like, right, exactly. It's like, it's like, do we want to learn their names anymore? Like, does it does it matter? <laughs> Uh, what else, guys? I, I mean, uh, how about what what data do we have to look forward to um, over the next week, Brendan? Uh, so we get the uh, inflation numbers, the CPI next week. So yep. that'll be the big one. Um, it's kind of a quiet week, actually, uh, other than that. Uh, the, the University of Michigan uh, consumer sentiment is always a, kind of an interesting insight. But uh, we're ahead of the curve of that because of uh, John Dick and civic science. Yes, that's right. Our ESI. Um, and then we're going to have uh, there's an election coming up, too. So um, we, we may have to have an opportunity to talk uh, a little bit about forward looking economic policy. Should there be any, any, there may be none. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated to see, well, uh, Pennsylvania. So, uh, so Oprah came out uh, uh, overnight. I wonder how big of a, of an endorsement that is for Fetterman. I mean, I I will say as someone who was um, still in journalism in 2010, when the Republicans um, took back the house and then we all know what happened in 2011, um, with the you know with the, the debt the debt limit fights and I think 2013 was another one. I do think as a you know potential economic event, if the GOP does take back the house um, next week, then that 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 become that comes back into play again, right? The whole like fights over spending and debt limits and etc. And will 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 we, we reach the precipice this time um, again, or will 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 cooler heads prevail? I think that's something to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, Bernie Sanders said that they should do it in the, the lame duck um, and just raise it so that they don't have to deal with it for the next two years. Um, if they want to uh, do what's best for the world, that's what that's what yeah. they'll do. <laughs> yeah. We'll see whether they can get it done. But yeah, they really um, they would they would be doing a great service if they did um, because I, I uh, it's a as you, we talk about it on the show. Uh, a few times over the years, but I've been sort of dealing with this idiotic debt ceiling battle for the past couple decades, and it never gets smarter. It only gets dumber. <laughs> so if they can stave it, that would be really great. I mean, what, what I find incredible is like anytime someone asks a question about should we get rid of the debt limit, the response is always like, wait, why? Like, that's unthinkable. And then to my mind, I'm like, but you keep raising it every bloody time. So... Yeah. Why? Why have it then? Like, if it's going to get raised and every couple of years, then it just seems like it's not doing whatever job it was meant to do is not. It's not happening. So just get rid I don't. Of- but I don't think people actually have any understand. I feel like I have to do like one-on-one teach-ins on the debt ceiling. It has never, ever, ever had anything to do with limiting no. debt. like so limit debt should not be in the name of it because it has nothing to do with limiting debt it has all the only thing it did was create a convenience for congress and the treasury to be able to do the debt issuance that so that treasury can fulfill the demands of congress right treasury is not doing anything that congress didn't demand that it (laughs) and in the old days Treasury had to ask Congress 
to for the authority to do every single debt issuance. Yeah. And they just said, and after a while, Congress said, look, do, do, do whatever. I'm as much as yeah. Up to the number, then come back to us. Because yeah. we don't feel like voting on this every time. <laughs> That's all it was. It had nothing ever, ever to do with limiting debt. And so it is a, uh, it's misnamed. It's a, and it is, uh, like I said, it never gets less dumb. It only gets more dumb, like this whole, this whole debate that we have over it. It's, it's really absurd. And you yeah. keep, we keep bringing the country to the brink of disaster yeah. uh, over it. So, yeah, I think that's what we're in for, unfortunately. Uh, well, hopefully, fingers crossed, fingers and toes crossed. But yeah. On that note, great job, Stay Show. Uh, for my, my, my penultimate macrocast, uh, well, great to do it with you guys. And um, we'll, be, we'll be back next week. Have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the macrocast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and share. 